Hello everyone and welcome to another special episode of the Guelo Ramblings World Tour podcast. My name is Stephen Palmer and you might know me as the co-host of the Asian Cinema Film Club podcast with Mr Elwood Jones or maybe my writings for easternkicks.com or from my own Asian cinema blog guelo-ramblings.wordpress.com which of course is where this podcast gets its name. Now if you want to know more about who I am and how we got here I suggest you go back and listen to the first episode, or maybe all of my old episodes. Come back here when you're all up to speed, or just stay and wing it. Either way, you are most welcome. Now normally on the podcast, I try to introduce the listener to the wonderful world of international cinema, showcasing films from around the globe that are made outside of America, particularly outside of Hollywood but I do watch plenty of films from there, so occasionally I'll post a special episode like this one, talking about films from anywhere that have simply blown me away or I really, really want to talk about. It's it's like an irregular bonus, unless people really like it, and then I'll do loads more of these. Um, So today I want to talk about a film um, related to a previous episode. Way back in episode three, I visited Italy. And one of the films I selected for us was Dario Argento Suspiria. Now roll on forward to 2018 and Luca Guardagnino has, after many attempts, managed to get his very own remake of the film made. Now it's more of a reimagining than a remake, but I thought it would be interesting to record my thoughts on it. Also, at the end, I'll be giving some news, a little update on the podcast... Um, a little update on the Asian Cinema Film Club and some news, a really exciting new project that I'm getting involved with. But first, Suspiria 2018. Now back in episode three, I was honest. As a film, Argento Suspiria wasn't one I was particularly enamoured with for many reasons. The acting was variable, the plot full of holes, and fundamentally it didn't feel like it had realised the filmmaker's ambitions. However, it was, and is, well regarded by many, and what it did have was an immense sense of style and creativity, a couple of quite fabulous set pieces, a great soundtrack, and above all, colour. Glorious, primal, emotion-evoking colour. This one doesn't. In fact, it eschews pretty much everything like that. Where to start? Well, I guess let's talk about the setting and the aesthetic. The remake takes a couple of key elements from the original's elevator pitch, a witch's coven operating in 1977 Germany. Some of the names play out the same, but this is a film set in a much different world. It revels in the 1977 aesthetic of a divided Berlin. Things are drab and grey. Terrorist attacks play out in the background on the streets and on television. And if this was a Cold War era spy film, this would be fabulous and evocative. Here though, well it just feels draining to watch and is rarely contrasted by the main drive of the story. Sure, there's an idea here I think at play and it provides an excuse to hide Chloe Grace Moretz's character for 90 minutes. But the film fails to seriously tie the world it tries to meticulously create with the story that it is trying to tell. There is also far too much a sense of 
too much tell, not enough see. The original film opened with a magnificent, if slightly unlikely, death sequence, one that showed a visceral act with an elaborate method combined with operatic staging. This one, well, it gives the aforementioned Chloe Grace Moretz a chance to show off five minutes of fine acting, and then just forgets about her. Maybe one could argue the original film gave its best moment away right at the beginning. This one chooses to pretty much bore us to death and disappoint with a lack of delivery. And then we have what I can only call a stunt casting. Tilda Swinton plays three characters in the film. Her dance teacher, aspiring coven leader, Madame Blanc, is great, don't get me wrong. Swinton is a brilliant and interesting actress that is quite brave and daring of many of the roles she takes. Her other two roles in this film are, are less successful. Yes, she is pretty convincing with her portrayal of the male Klemperer, unless you look really close, and once that illusion is broken, her voice suddenly becomes of the wrong timbre to fully convince again. Her later role as Helena Marcos is hidden under even more rubber and is frankly unintelligible. If I had felt that the three roles were meant to play off each other or if they were to portray some kind of connected triptych, I could get behind it and make a defence. But it just seems to be a stunt casting. Like much of the film, a technical achievement with little actual thematic or storytelling value. Maybe if Klemperer was the only male on screen, I could make a supporting argument. But no, all it seemed to do was make the climactic scene much more difficult to film. At two and a half hours, it was ridiculously long. I mean stupidly long. Very few films for me can justify being that long in length. And it's certainly not in any August company of those kind of films. The running time was plumped up by an utterly redundant backstory around the Klemperer's wife's fate during the Holocaust some 25 years previous. The same goes for Dakota Johnson's character's backstory. She's been raised by ultra-religious Memonites. But she's mysteriously drawn to Berlin by experimental dance shows. I cannot fathom how her background would have mentioned even knew existed, let alone snuck off to a local city to see. And nothing is done with this. A film would have been much better served by having Susie having maybe no backstory at all. Which is when the final reveal of who she actually is would have been much more interesting. Now was the film a complete loss? No, no. What did I like? Well, some of the set pieces were pretty good. Especially the character Olga's horrible uh, death by Dance Proxy agonisingly put together via practical effects, a contortionist and a touch of CGI. This was the kind of visceral moment I was hoping to see more of. Except, well it turns out, as unlikely as it seems, she didn't die at that moment. And I, like I said earlier, it seemed to be deliberately contrary to the original film for no real effect. I did like the colourless drained look. It is exactly how I imagined 1977 Berlin to be. It reminded me of Cold War thrillers and I could imagine it going on at the same time. But I shouldn't be thinking about a secret adventure of Harry Palmer when there was a witch civil war going on, should I? 
I really like what it ended up doing with the character of Susie. I think what they were trying to say is that Coven was like the heart of Berlin, or maybe of Germany. And the way it had become corrupt was being echoed in the streets. Mother, Suspirium, when revealed, is like a goddess of the city, or the country, or maybe of womanhood, and her role will be used to heal the city and its people. But then, I'm getting this from how Kim Newman used characters from Argento's Three Mothers films, of which the original Suspiria is one, in one of his Anno Dracula novels, I think Anno Dracula Cha Cha Cha. But Newman knows his horror, and I suspect a little better than the writers of this film. There is a scene of whispered exposition that tries to explain what's going on. But for me, the film really feels to tie this and what happened back in World War II into some kind of engaging and compelling thread. Tom York's soundtrack was fine, and it certainly fit the mood of the film, but I'll literally fight someone if they say it enhanced the movie, or was as memorable as the original's use of prog rock band Goblin. You see, the shame is, Suspiria 2018 is undoubtedly a better film. The acting is superior, it is filmed much much better the technical specs are fantastic i love what it did with dance even though i haven't talked about it and in olga's pseudo death you have a memorable piece of horror cinema but as a piece of entertainment it failed and therefore for all its faults the original remains a touchstone of its genre this one i'm afraid it's a failed experiment at best Right, now a couple of announcements. Firstly, about the podcast itself. The next full episode, uh, episode 12, will be effectively the end of season 1 of the show. The conceit of two films from each country has been fun, and hopefully you've enjoyed the format, but it's actually been a bit limiting. On my own journey, I've often wished to explore certain directors or actors a little deeper, much like I did in episode 7 when I did my German visit tied in with the work of Bruno Gantz. So I will be starting up season two fairly quickly afterwards, but with a slightly different DNA to the show. It will probably still be two films covered each time, but the connection will be an individual. I think the first episode will cover a particular French actress, and I'm dying to go back to look at um, the films of Milos Forman and Pedro Almodovar. It might also allow me to uh, compare the work of talent that have jumped over to Hollywood and see how they've changed. In other respects, things remain unchanged. I'm committed to a shorter runtime and a mostly scripted delivery. Next up, and I want to bring to your attention that Elwood and I have increased the output of the Asian Cinema Film Club to basically fortnightly. It's an extended experiment for now as we both have real lives and other commitments. And we don't do it for any financial reward but I think the opportunity to bring even more Asian films to your attention is too good to turn down. And finally, by the time this gets published, a new website that I am getting involved with will be launched. It's called InTheirOwnLeague.com, and as you might have guessed from that title, it's really focused on female filmmakers and talent, and showing what they bring to the cinematic landscape. There's a whole bunch of people contributing from all kinds of background. 
Don't worry, it's not some kind of anti-male hyper-political site. It's very much about celebrating and promoting the talents of women in cinema. For my part, I'll be delivering monthly articles in the main, looking at women in front and behind the camera, with my normal Asian and European cinematic interests. My first article should be up in a week or so, and looks at the American-born Chinese trailblazer Anna Mae Wong. I'm really excited being part of this project, and I can promise you the other creators are even more enthused, so please go check it out. So that's it for this episode. I guess all I have to say is the usual stuff. Mail me on thingsfallapart at hotmail.co.uk or via the Facebook page in the episode description or via my Twitter at Alpivio if you want to make suggestions, comments or tell me that the 2018 version of Suspiria is the greatest film ever. You will, however, be wrong.